Welcome into our first episode of the podcast, Fog.net podcast, Kansas.247sports.com. We don't have a name yet, but uh, we are starting this podcast. It's going to be kind of a weekly venture. I think the plan is to post it Monday morning so you have it on your commute to work, or if you want to get it afterward, get it for your ride home. That, of course, uh, works too. Joining me, we will have a guest on these. We will get to that into in a second. First, I just kind of wanted to recap what we've got going on on the site, what we'll have going on with this podcast, just to catch everyone up to date. So uh, if you haven't, I guess, been paying attention, welcome. Uh, you know, I started running things at at Fog.net maybe a little bit more than a month ago. And as you can kind of see on the site, we have a good blend of KU, KU basketball, KU football, uh, and recruiting content. Right now, we've had a lot of KU basketball news lately, a couple KU basketball camps, scrimmages. So been more of a focus on that, kind of balance that out with some KU football recruiting stuff. And you'll see a switch coming up pretty soon with Peach Jam happening and also the KU football team very active over the summer. So uh, like I said, should be a good blend of both and also some stuff on Jayhawks who have moved along. We're going to try and talk about all those things, but especially the most relevant things on these podcasts. They won't be the longest. Uh, I think our goal each week will be to hit about 30 minutes, maybe, maybe up to 40 minutes if it's a busy week and maybe a little more in season. But uh, we don't want to talk your ear off, but we do want to give you a topic. If, if there's you know something that you guys are passionate about, something you want to hear about, something you guys want to disagree with us on, something, you know, an outlet that you can uh, get a little more content. So to introduce myself, my name is Scott Chasen. Like I said, probably uh, started working about a month ago. Um for fog.net cbs uh the family and joining me is michael swain michael's going to be coming to work for us uh in the fall michael let's start here if you want to give a little bit about your background watching ku and uh and your tie to the university of kansas uh why don't you go ahead and do that sure thing well my name is michael swain i'm right now the managing editor at the university daily kansan the student newspaper at ku I'm originally from San Jose, California, way out west, and I've really fell in love with KU basketball. Specifically, in 2008, I vividly remember uh, being in Lake Tahoe for the national championship game, and my dad made me watch it because he had put money on KU to win. (laughs) And from then on out, I've been a KU fan, so to say that it started with a bet is pretty funny. Um, But I'm really excited for this fall. I think that Really, football season is going to be really interesting to see with this team. There's so much that can happen with it. And going into basketball season, a big roster, it's going to be a great year for KU sports in general, I feel like. Yeah, Michael's done a lot of great work at the University of Daly, Kansas. And I think one of the things I really appreciate is, uh, and and he's kind of similar to, to a perspective that I try to take in this regard, is that Uh, He's very good at breaking down film, had a piece coming out around the Duke game last year that was kind of an analytical breakdown of the Duke zone and and kind of ways that KU could attack it, talked to an assistant coach for that. So uh, some really good stuff, and I think we'll have a lot of exciting and interesting content for you guys. Just if you don't know me, um, I got my start, same as Michael, University Daily Kansan, worked for a Kansas blog before that, but since then uh, have worked at the Topeka Capital Journal, Lawrence Journal World, before making the jump over here, so uh, yeah, I think we've got a lot of exciting ideas. We probably won't ever do a mailbag on the podcast just because uh, we have our live chats, our Q&A, Facebook Lives every Thursday, and then our VIP mailbags on Saturday. Uh, but I think, and, and, and this might be a good time just to, to 
kind of give you guys the outlets to get in touch with us. You can always leave messages for us on the uh, VIP board or send us uh, private messages. Swain will get them going uh, here on the site a little bit, especially once he officially comes over from the University of Daly, Kansas. Um, that's an outlet. Anything on the board, anything VIP, I can assure you guys that we do uh, spend a pretty good amount of time trying to get to everything that, that you guys want to know. And if enough people care about something, you can you can absolutely bet that we'll have something on it or it'll be in the mailbag. So uh, we've had a great turnout so far of people who have subscribed. If you aren't there yet, that's okay. We've got a ton of free content on the site coming up. Uh, I think today, maybe yesterday, by the time you listen to this, uh, you'll have the latest entry, for example, in our top 20 wins of Bill Self series. So a lot of fun stuff coming up this summer. And, and like Swain mentioned, should be a lot of good stuff in the fall. But for the first podcast, it seemed like the biggest news to get to was LeGerald Vick's return to Kansas because this was announced Friday night. Um, I was actually just sitting down with a friend getting ready to uh, to prepare ourselves leading up to the NBA free agency uh, the mm. next night. We're going to chat about that and have some fun and then all of a sudden get an email. Hey, LeGerald Vick is, uh, is back at KU. Swain... How surprised were you when you saw the news? And I guess, how much had you considered the idea that Vic may return to Kansas? Well, my first reaction was pure shock. I I expected, I thought that that relationship between Vic and Bill Self, that, that bridge had been burned. The two of them were going their separate ways. I think that this is very much a realization on both parts, that both parties can benefit from another year together, even if they are not the most cohesive together. I think that coming back, it does help KU in general, but I was just shocked. I told some of my friends that I was standing with, you know, LeGerald's coming back and they're like, haha, you know, you're joking. I'm like, no, seriously, you know, official press release, here it is. And I think that everyone is really just surprised, but I think in the long run, it's going to help KU. Yeah. I- the first reaction, mine certainly was was absolutely shock. And you know, I've gone back and forth with a few people on this, and, and talked to some people on the boards who were like, "No, it made perfect sense logistically. Yes, it it always made sense for Legerald Vic to return to Kansas. Legerald Vic, you know, KU had an open scholarship. Legerald Vic was a junior there; he'd be a senior logically. You know, they could use shooting that Legerald Vic will provide in the wing was probably KU's weakest spot, although. I'm hesitant to say that on a roster that is like legitimately 12 or 13 deep at this point, maybe even more when you consider how good some of the walk-ons are. So this is a crazy stacked team. But at the same time, everything that had been said leading up to this point, most recently by Bill Self on, I want to say June 19th, was pretty much that Vic, even after he had pulled his name out, was not going to return. I mean, Self at a press conference was asked, is the door completely shut to to a return? And he said, I don't know about the the idea of it being completely shut, but nothing has changed. He was asked if it was a weird situation, and he said that it wasn't weird because, again, nothing had changed, that that it was the same situation that it was when they ended the season. He told ESPN's Jeff Borzello that there wasn't a final decision reached, but he had not planned on having LeGerald Vick back. He said if he didn't stay in the draft, the option was really for him to transfer, not to come back to Kansas. So... All signs from Bill Self were pointing to LeGerald Vick leaving. I mean, KU Athletics, when they uh, released the press release saying he had declared from the declared for the NBA draft, they used the same verbiage they used for Malik Newman, not Yudoka Azubuki. It was LeGerald Vick to forego his senior season to turn pro uh, rather than, you know, declaring for the draft without an agent, which is what they wrote for Yudoka Azubuki. So... I think all around this is a shock. I think anyone who saw this coming, quote unquote, 
uh, had better foresight than LeGerald Vick, Bill Self, and La La Vick. So congratulations on that. Um, but I think it was largely guesswork because you mentioned the relationship, and we saw this last year, but Self called Vick out uh, last year, removed him from the starting lineup. I think that was a more tenuous relationship than a lot of people have given it credit for. I think it does show some growth from Self uh, and Vic, both sides, that they were able to kind of come together and agree this is, you know, this is a situation that will help both parties. I don't think it was realistic for Vic to transfer. I think he would have been, you know, like 12 or so hours short of uh, credit hours short of graduation, uh, even after the summer. So he wasn't going to be able to grad transfer. So pragmatically, I don't think it made sense for him to sit out and then transfer a year just to play his senior year. I am a little surprised he maybe didn't go like the G League route or something like that. But, you know, at the same time, I I think it is a fit that will, like I said, benefit both parties. And I I really do think it shows some growth. I mean, what do you remember from last year, Swain, uh, just in terms of covering the team and kind of that relationship between Vic and Self? I compare it to a kid that you look in Little League that turns off and doesn't listen to the coach. And you can tell when that, when the player has completely shut off the coach stopped listening. That's what it really looked like. And I pulled up some of the stats I've got in front of me here from the last time he scored 20 points at Texas on December 29th, from then January 1st to the, all the way to the, to the end of Big 12 play at Oklahoma State. He averaged 8.4 points a game and point or 1.7 turnovers and 3.4 defensive rebounds. Compared to the beginning of the season where he was scoring 20 points here and there, it just looked like the energy wasn't there, the desire wasn't there. And that's what really made me think that he really wasn't going to come back was just that desire and the effort and that bounce and the athleticism and all like the things that the, that make LeGerald Vick good. They just weren't there. Yeah, and Self had maybe alluded to something off the court too had, had maybe happened that had served as a distraction and you know, quite frankly, we don't know what that is. And a large part of that is because LeGerald Vick really refused to talk about it. And, you know, anytime he was asked about, hey, what was kind of going on, what was kind of going on, he would shut down. I mean, one time he turned away from a can- camera interview and dropped an expletive and and then said next question, basically. So, I mean, it was not something he wanted at all to talk about, which is his right, obviously, as a player. You know, he doesn't have to, to open up about everything. But, you know, at the same time, you could see it, like you mentioned, obviously his numbers dropped off. Uh, he came into the season with the idea that this is going to be a guy who's going to crash the offensive glass, who's going to, you know, with his athleticism, be able to make plays, be a versatile guy, maybe even be KU's backup point guard. That was something that was actually discussed at, at several points, and you saw him play a prominent role in several wins. I mean, you can't not think of the uh, the Syracuse game in, in Miami. I think he was, you know, obviously Devontae Graham scored 35 points that game. Ladrill Vic was right behind, I think, 20 and a good rebounding performance too. Yep. So uh, I think something must have happened, obviously, in their relationship for Self to to kind of get more and more increasingly frustrated just based off what he was saying and, and looking at the way Vic was playing. But, you know, at the end of the day, they didn't really have the depth to replace Vic. And that's why I think this time around it's so interesting just because – you know, Self has said, I thought, good story at HawkZone.com and also in the Kansas City Star. Gerald Vick is not guaranteed to be a starter on this team, even as a senior. I mean, he doesn't mm-hmm. even get his number back. You want to talk about shocking reasons why this was shocking. <laughs> you know, I, I spoke to Lala Vick right after this came out, that, that he was returning to or, or pulling his name out of the draft, not that he was returning to college. And I said, straight up, is Gerald Vick allowed to come back at Kansas? 
And her answer did not contain the word Kansas. It was about a list of colleges or the G League. It, it wasn't anything like yes or no. So I, I found that interesting. Um, again, it, it really wasn't the plan. I, I talked to her also after Jonathan Givony of ESPN uh, or Givoni reported that he had hired an agent. And I reached out to Lala Vic and I said, is, is this true? Has LeGerald signed with an agent yet? And she said, no, not yet. And, and again, I, I, the use of the word yet reads incredibly interesting to me as a guy who went to the pro basketball combine who, when he declared for the draft said, you know, basically talked about his time at KU being over. And clearly the route was there for him to return to college. But I think that route was to return to other colleges. And, you know, KU tried to replace him. Quite frankly, you look at Joe Cremo being brought on campus as a grad grad transfer. Joe Cremo told me that he was taking a visit to KU Uh, shortly after, obviously he decided to go to Villanova, but that's an example of a player that the Jayhawks were trying to fill that spot with. I heard um, just talking with with other people that there were potentially uh, some things happening be- behind the scenes to maybe try out or test uh, some other players to see if they might be up to KU quality. And ultimately, they kind of opted to leave that spot open until there was a team meeting that, you know, even the players had to kind of accept this because Self mentioned that that KU had added a guy in Ochai Agbaji in the, in the kind of the spring signing period. Uh, with the idea that Vic was not going to be on the team. And, you know, it, it. this was another reason it was a little bit more complicated is that it's never just I can add anyone who I want to a basketball team. Because if that were the case, then sure, maybe the Vic thing would have been done a long time ago. But Self even said at a press conference, he said straight up, like, th- those are conversations that need to be had. Because KU, w- when you recruit guys you don't want to take what you would feel as a dishonest approach and say, you're going to have X role. Here are the players that you're going to be competing against for minutes. Oh, by the way, we just added a senior that or averaged 30 minutes a game last year that you didn't know about. And the Wendell Carter situation at, at Duke, exactly. obviously, you know, we don't know exactly how that went down. And it's different because his parents, if you didn't see, kind of ranted to NBC Sports that they felt like Coach K was dishonest with them and that – he came in there expecting to be the guy, and then they add Marvin Bagley out of the blue. Now, if Marvin Bagley reclassifies and Duke doesn't know about it, it's a little bit of a different situation. But at the same time, if that possibility is being broached, guys want to know about it because who knows if Ochai Agbaji, who knows if that would have affected his plans? I'm guessing it wouldn't have because he wasn't going to play that much anyway as a freshman. But, I mean, certainly now he's not getting any minutes uh, on this KU team, and I think he's a, he's a great candidate to redshirt. Uh, unless they could even convince a guy like Sam Cunliffe, who, again, I, I mean, the the wings on this team are going to be loaded. So one of those two guys is is going to definitely be on the outside looking in. Uh, so again, there were there were a lot of moving parts to this situation. I I definitely think that's why it was a it was a gigantic surprise. And I touched on some of the process, but uh, reportedly, and according to Gary Bedore, the Kansas City Star, there was a team meeting that took place in which. Self basically asked the players, what, what do you guys think about LeGerald Vick coming back? And generally, they were in favor of that. Uh, I think that shows a lot of maturity from a KU team that does not need LeGerald Vick because, quite frankly, this is a top-five preseason team regardless, uh, with or without Vick. They can use his shooting. Uh, maybe they can use some of his leadership traits, although I would argue yeah. he has huge strides to make in that area. He He would need to show a significant commitment to that, and I mean, maybe that's that's part of the stipulations that the the Capital Journal and the Kansas City Star talk about with his return. What what do you view as as what maybe ideal situa- stipulations would be for Vic returning? Because it seems like 
you know, number one would be like, you need to fall in line in terms of leading uh, by example and, and maybe listening and, and understanding your role a little bit better. So Devontae Graham, uh, we consider him to be a more vocal leader. And Bill Self had talked about comparing Devontae to Frank and their leadership styles. And you look at it, Frank is a, a doer. He's going to lead by example. And Devontae is a leader that's going to talk. He's going to communicate. And I feel like for LeGerald to be a good leader, he has to be on the Frank mold where it's a lead by example because he's not going to be that vocal of a person. That's just not his personality. I think that with him, if he can get in and, you know, again, just fall in line, do the little things and just lead by example. I think that's how he can lead and letting other people like a Mitch Lightfoot, for instance, lead with the vocal aspect of it. And I have a question for you though. I think LeGerald, why didn't, do you think he go to the G League? It doesn't really make much sense. Why? Because he talked about supporting his daughter, um, who I believe is two or three. I may may be wrong on that. But why wouldn't he go to the G League? If you can get more professional experience, maybe you can find your way on to a two-way contract. Why don't you think he went that route? You know, that's a good question. And hopefully, you know, trying to set something up to actually speak with LeGerald so we can get that answer from him. I, I question if the interest was there. Uh, I talked to uh, someone who was closely worked in player development and, and runs in NBA circles who told me the most valuable trait he sees Vic as having is his elast- what he described as elasticity, which mm-hmm. his bo- his ability to kind of mold his body into whatever situation, like when he goes after, like it's not just pure athleticism, basically it's, it's athleticism in use. So like how he's able to get, you know, important offensive rebounds or just rebounds in general, how he's able to kind of compete when he wants to and, 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 you know, get up for lobs and explode off the ground. It's kind of a mixture of athleticism in like certain areas. But at the same time, there are a lot of guys like that. And and I don't think LeGerald Vick, after his hot start to the year, really showed much of anything. No. Uh, he had good games here and there, a couple performances where you wondered, is LeGerald Vick back or is he going to be back? But at the same time, I don't think he consistently showed an ability of any singular skill at all. Uh, whether it be defensively rebounding, you know, playing within the offense, anything. I don't think he consistently showed one skill after that start to the year uh, that teams would have wanted to take a chance on. And so I can understand that once he was like, hey, I don't want to go to the draft now because I think I can actually show people that I can get drafted next year. So once he pulled his name out of there, I kind of understand maybe not going the G League route and saying, I don't want to get lost against these guys who are a lot more physical than me, a lot quite frankly, better than me at this point, because Older. I feel like that's sometimes what people forget about the G League is like guys like Darnell Jackson played in the D League. Uh, Mario Little was blowing up the D League at one point. I wrote a story when I was at a, a NBA blog and or an NBA blog, and he's, he's averaging like 25 points a game in, in this season. It's like, it's so easy to remember that like, and, and the same goes for Europe, by the way, but that these are grown men you're playing against. So a 30-year-old, less talented guy is probably going to take to school, you know, a 21-year-old guy who's used to playing against college kids, at least at first. So it, it isn't always the best way to, to go and showcase your, your skills right away. Even guys like, you know, Pierre Jackson of Baylor who go to the G League and star right away, that doesn't guarantee them a trip to the NBA. Brady Heslip uh, was another example of that, a guy who absolutely lit it up in the G League and then I think ended up going overseas to play in Europe, if I'm not mistaken. So... I could understand it at that point, and I'm I'm guessing that's the biggest reason. This was a guy who was an alternate to the to the NBA draft combine uh, that had to be disappointing for him not to get that invite. 
uh, goes to the the professional basketball combine and and I posted some of his highlights from there. So, I mean, he got the chance to to kind of impress in front of some scouts, but I don't think the buzz was ever there. And if Malik Newman wasn't going to get drafted, Billy Preston wasn't going to get drafted. I mean, certainly I think he was a worse prospect than both of them. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Biggest strides, um, things that could get him to that next level, though. I think he needs to show consistency as a shooter throughout the entire season, not just you know 15 games or whatever he did uh, to start the year. I think he needs to show consistently to sh- consistency in shooting off the bounce, uh, consistency with his handle, consistent effort on the defensive end. And I don't think that's too much to ask. I think those are the big things you'll be looking for from, from LeGerald Vick because rebounding, like, yeah, he can help with that, but this KU team has, has, is overflowing with big men. That's not going to be where he makes his mark. Maybe occasionally he'll get a big rebound or so, but he had his chance to show that last year, and I'd argue he failed at that in, in conference play and beyond. So those are the strides I think he'll try to make in college to get to that next level and showing that he can be a leader, fit into a system. Uh, those, I think, are important things as well. What, what do you see as the biggest things that he could maybe improve on, even if his numbers aren't necessarily going to look better next year? Out of all the things that you just said there, I think the one thing that you said multiple times was consistency. I think that him being able to consistently day in, day out for an entire season, not having these batches of 16 points, 16, 13, and then all of a sudden going down having like four points and five points. He's got to average 16 for the entire season and consistently be within that 12 to 18 range. I think that the biggest thing for him, and that's going to get him in the NBA, is what he does on the defensive end of the floor. Because these days, what gets you in the NBA is defense and shooting. And for him, he's shown that he can shoot in sporadic little bunches. He can shoot at a high clip, but in the long run, he needs to show more consistency shooting and improve that defensive Him, He needs to basically be a smarter player on the defensive end and not get lost. Because that's what happens when you look in the film of when he was getting you know, these four point, five point games is he was getting lost and it just wasn't there. And he needs to be there every game for him, at least to get to the NBA. Yeah. Synergy rated him as KU's worst defender as a sophomore. And I think that was largely because of closeouts. He was an absolute disaster in that area, had no clue what he was doing basically. And teams would kind of light him up on that. So that's a stride I think he did make, but I agree that there's Kind of a lot of progress he can make. I'm surprised. So the number you threw out, 12 to, 16, or 12 to 18, 16 points per game. I, I think I see him lower than that right now just because I think so much of the scoring on this team is going to come from the big men. I would guess mm-hmm. he'll be more in the maybe even the 8 to 12 range. That might be too low. I might not be giving him enough credit. But I expect him to have maybe average 20 to 25 minutes per game on this team. I don't think that's necessarily a knock against him, but just more overall about the the breadth of uh, of talent that KU will have and maybe the number of minutes available. I mean, what what do you see his role being? Do you think he's a guy who uh, maybe not even starts a bunch of games, but do you think he's a 30-minute regularly guy like he was uh, last year, or, or where do you see him at? Well, I don't think he'll get up to 30 minutes. I don't think anyone on this team is going to be at 30 minutes. Maybe like a Diedrich Lawson could be at 30, but I think that his role, I think when you look at how he's going to end up fitting into the team. This is not how it's going to be planned, but if you look at this roster as a whole, you've got a lot of players who are playing in their first Big 12 season. you got Charlie Moore, Quentin Grimes, um, Diedrich Lawson, KJ Lawson, you know, all these guys that are playing in their first you know, Big 12 season. You saw last year Malik Newman did not start well in the Big 12 play. Yeah, he had the foot injury, but he didn't start well. 
And I think that there are going to be patches this season where even though Charlie Moore played in the Pac-12 for Cal, I think there are going to be patches where some of these guys are going to struggle. And I feel like the LeGerald Vic could in the end possibly maybe be the steadying factor because this is his fourth go around doing this. And I think that you do something four times, you get used to it, you know how to deal with it and take it on the and just keep going. I think that that maybe is where his role is going to be and maybe he's more of a stopgap, you know, if a game they need him to rebound more, maybe he does more rebounding. If they need him to create more, if he can show that he can create more, maybe there's that. I think that he could end up being one of those multiple facet guys that does a lot of things for this team. Yeah, I think looking at the minutes wise, or or looking at the minutes, it's going to be very comparable to that 2010-11 team. I think the minutes leader, it might have been Tyrell Reed. It was Tyrell Reed, 28.7 minutes per game. And like Marcus Morris, 28.3 Twenty-seven point one for Tyshawn Taylor, like Markeith Morris, twenty-four point four. A bunch of guys in the twenties, a bunch of guys in the tens. Brady Morningstar, twenty-seven point six. I, I, it's going to be one of those things this year because Yudoka Azubuki averaged like twenty. I'm guessing between twenty-three and twenty-five minutes somewhere in there last year. He's not going to average that much more than that because mm-hmm. Dedrick Lawson's got to play, and if Silvio De Sosa is eligible, he's got to play, and if. You know, Mitch Lightfoot doesn't redshirt. He's going to steal some minutes. And David McCormick is a McDonald's All-American. And my God, looks absolutely like he's in incredible shape. So when I pick minutes for Vic, I think Quentin Grimes, I think Devon Dotson, Charlie Moore. It wouldn't shock me, Marcus Garrett. It wouldn't shock me if all those guys played more minutes than him. But also what you, what you mentioned has some cadence about him being a senior. It wouldn't shock me if he if he played just as many minutes as, as some of those guys. So Maybe 25 minutes, 24 minutes, somewhere in that range sounds yeah. about right of, of what I kind of think for him. I don't think he starts, um, at least to start the year. I do believe that'll be Marcus Garrett, especially um, if he's able to successfully work his jump, uh, rework his jumper. I, I think if he can show that his reworked form, he's been working with the KU assistants and with his own trainer, uh, if he can show any consistency in that, I think the coaches will give him the nod. Or maybe even a guy like KJ Lawson, who... Uh, you talked about leadership. The coaches have raved about his leadership potential. So uh, he's another guy who potentially could provide good kind of fill-in into that leadership role. Um, do you expect him to start? And, and if you do, how many games Ooh, or when I, When in the season would you expect him to start? I think it's going to be one of those things where he doesn't start until Bill Self gets pissed at someone and needs to make an example out of someone. I mean that seriously. Yeah, no, no, no. It's like it happens a lot. It does. I mean, it, it's so funny. LeGerald would have been the guy that would have been sat last year if he had a guy to replace him, but he didn't. I think that this year LeGerald could be the person that replaces the first person to mess up consistently. I mean, so let's say if Marcus Garrett starts and his shot isn't there, then LeGerald will come in the starting lineup for him. Let's say Quentin Grimes takes a while to get in the flow of things at Kansas. LeGerald can come in for him. I think that. LeGerald could, in the end, start probably – I think he'll probably start about half the games, we'll say. I think given wow. 15 to 16, I think in the end of it, I think that Bill Self is going to see that LeGerald hopefully you know, has developed and is a leader, and he, he can play him for 25, 30 minutes if he needs to. And if he doesn't, I also think that there are going to be games where Bill sees that LeGerald is not there mentally and he's not going to play him at all. Yeah, I, I would be. I won't say shocked. I'd be pretty surprised if he starts that many games. Um, 
just because I do think Marcus Garrett is is probably in the mold of what Bill Self will want. Sure. Um, and and I don't. I, I'm very intrigued to see what Quentin Grimes looks like because you don't want to put too high expectations on a freshman. And, and the same goes for guys like Devon Dotson, even Charlie Moore, who's a transfer redshirt sophomore from Cal. But man, I think it'll be I think it'll be extremely tough to supplant uh, Grimes from the lineup. I think yeah. it'll be very tough for anyone to cut into Garrett's minutes. But to your point, why I laughed, like self loves having having the the kind of threat of playing time and starting out there in terms of you're not producing the way you need to be. Yeah. Now this guy's in the lineup last year's team was, I mean, what, like seven deep basically for most basically. of the year, it got yeah. a little deeper when Sylvia DeSosa joined the team, but, and he still did that. Like Malik Newman and, and um, Legerald Vic had games where they were not in the starting lineup. So if self can do it on that team, then certainly if someone isn't playing up to expectations or someone has some bad practices or the team's just flat out losing. I mean, you think back to, I want to say Landon Lucas's junior year. And and I think I stirred something up when I called him the most underrated Jayhawk of the Bill Self era. And the thing is that year they had Shek Diallo, Carlton Bragg. They had a bunch of guys, Jamari trailer, I believe mm, yeah. uh, they had a bunch of guys who could play. And Self asked the starters, who do you want to play with? And they said Landon Lucas. And then KU went on a 17-game winning streak. And that's not accidental because sometimes it's not who's the most talented, who looks the most athletic, who does whatever, but whose skills are going to complement the rest of the lineup the best. And so that's why I kind of think like a guy like Marcus Garrett. What Marcus Garrett will be able to do defensively, I think will provide enough of a boost to a KU team that the starting lineup should have enough shooting between Diedrich Lawson, who has shown himself to be more than capable of knocking down three-point mm-hmm. shots. Quentin Grimes, I think his three-point jumper is better than he gets credit for. And I expect to start the year right now. Today is July 1st, I think, or, or mm-hmm. when we're recording it, it is. Uh, I expect Charlie Moore to start to start the season. I do expect Devon Dotson to kind of earn that role as the year goes on, yep. but Charlie Moore is is a very capable shooter too. So, and if KJ Lawson finds his way in those lineups as well, you're gonna have plenty of shooting. So I don't think that'll be an issue, um, unless his shot is god awful and and guys can just you know hang all the way back in the paint. But I, I'm gonna be very interested to see how all these lineups and, and kind of roles for guys come together because it's going to be an extremely new roster. I mean, if you think about meaningful minutes on last year's team, not in individual games, but regularly throughout the year. I mean, you're pretty much talking about two guys returning in uh, Vic and and Yudoka Azubuki, and I, I would I would not include Mitch Lightfoot in that because even though he played meaningful minutes in a lot of you know different games, you think about at TCU what he did there, maybe even in the Big Twelve tournament. Yeah. Uh, this is a guy who played no minutes, no meaningful minutes in the team's last two games of the year, or or didn't he get no meaningful minutes in the last three yeah, games of the last year? Three didn't he, he get DMP'd in two? I believe I, I think he got in at Clemson at some point, but I don't think he got in against Duke, and no. he didn't get in until the very end against Villanova. And That's right. So yeah. how can, how can you say a guy who didn't even play in the team's last three games of the year, like, well, that guy returns, you know, meaningful minute? Well, not really, because when the season was on the line, he didn't play a minute. So uh, I think he will bring some experience, especially in Big Twelve play. He played over twenty minutes. Looking at it, probably four times I want to say just scrolling through his game log four or five times until the until the big 12 tournament yeah. but at, at the same time it's a lot of new pieces you're you're you have a brand new piece of point guard 
brand new piece at shooting guard. Marcus Garrett will kind of be a returning small forward, maybe, but even then, you know, how secure is his role? And, and one of your starting big men is going to be brand new, most likely, unless Silvio de Sosa makes a huge leap forward. So I'm very intrigued to see how it all blends together on this team. Yeah. I am still pretty sure, though, that this is like a top five team, maybe even the best team in the country to start the year. I think it is, too. I think. So I want to bring up two things I think that you said there that were interesting. I think, first of all, with Mitch Lightfoot, I think at the end of the season, it came down to matchups for the most part. Because if you look at who Kansas was playing, Clemson, I think Mitch just did not play well, if I remember correctly, because Clemson didn't have a really a big guy. But going against Duke, you know, Mitch can't guard Marvin Bagley, and he can't deal with the size of Wendell Carter. So that really didn't make much sense. But – in going against Amari Spellman in the national or, uh, the national semifinal, Spellman's a big guy who can stretch out. You know, I think a lot of it at the end of the season was matchup problems, and I think that Lightfoot will be a key this season. I think just filling in minutes because I also think that at times I think David McCormack has looked in great shape, but I think he could you know struggle here and there. But I also it wouldn't surprise me if you see Lightfoot take the red shirt. I think that would be beneficial for him. And then the second thing was with this roster construct, there's a way you could see that Bill Self could go with a legitimate like NBA-sized roster and go with like Quentin Grimes at the two. Um, you could put Dotson at the one, Grimes at the two. You could put Diedrich at the three, Silvio at the four, Doke at the five, and that's like a, a huge lineup. Or you can go small, put Silvio at the five. You could even have like a Mitch at the four, put Diedrich maybe at the five. There's a lot of things that Bill Self could do with this lineup, depending yeah. on who they go up against. If they go up against a Villanova and they need more shooting, or if they go against a bigger team, they can go with Doke and Silvio and Diedrich. You know, there's a lot of stuff that they can do with this team, which I think is really intriguing going into the year. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit wary of the idea that it would just be matchup-based, specifically with Lightfoot, especially because, like, you know, Carter didn't play that much in that game. I think he played 24 minutes yeah. just because he was in foul trouble and fouled yeah. out. And, and and Villanova, I think, I mean, Yudoka Azubuki could not guard Omari Spellman, mm-hmm. like, at all. And so I think you you just throw him in in the first half and see what works. But I, I you mentioned, like, a potential red shirt. That is a huge question on this team because a lot of people, like, especially now it seems like maybe a wing should be red shirting and, and maybe a big man could add to that too. Like a, like a Mitch Lightfoot or whoever's on the way out. You don't really red shirt McDonald's all Americans nope. or you know David McCormick. If he ends up being the fifth big man, you know, that could be a tough spot for him, but I think he'll be around for at least a couple of years. Red shirts uh, will definitely be a, be a topic we get to uh, in an upcoming podcast as will with the rest of the lineups. Uh, I, we're going to get out of here on this one. Um, like I said, these will be recurring podcasts every Monday. We're going to come up with a name too. Um, so we'll have that in the coming weeks, but wanted to definitely introduce you to Michael Swain, who's going to be joining on with us in the fall. Uh, and we have a few more, we, we have some really exciting ideas coming with the podcast. So I won't spoil any of those lately or, uh, won't spoil any of those right now, but definitely a lot of fun to look forward to. So, uh, Swain, thanks for joining me and, uh, and we'll send you on your way. Oh,